Hello, hello, everyone. Let's get this episode started. Welcome to the latest episode of the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are streaming this on a whole lot of platforms today. We're getting a lot into this live streaming thing. So let's get started. All right, so we are available on Mixer. We're on Twitch. Periscope, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us all over the place. Uh, our usernames are up there on the side, so you can follow us on all of those different platforms. Every day we do something different on one of our different platforms, so you will be able to get some kind of awesome value every day of the week. So just make sure you follow us. If you want to keep track of, whoop, if you want to keep track of all the awesome things we are doing here at Three Pines, and there's some big news coming up, uh, make sure that you sign up for the Three Pines Leadership Newsletter. All right, so let's get started with the usual big news. I've been promising big news every episode in May. So the big news we have this episode is we are now doing a Monday morning live stream show on our streaming platforms. I have a hair in my mouth and it can't, <laughs> it just wants to hang out there. All right. So Monday morning live stream is going to start at 7 a.m. Eastern time uh, and you can tune in for that one. We're not going to keep the back episodes of that uh, live, so you're going to have to tune in to check those episodes out. So you can find those 7 a.m. Eastern again on uh, a whole bunch of our different platforms here. So I mentioned briefly that there's some uh, big news, big news, big news. I'll get I'll give you more information about it next week, I promise. Um, but there has been a huge project that I've been working on for the past few months uh, behind the scenes, and I'm super, super excited for it. I want to tell you a little bit about why I started this project. I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet, uh, but I want to tell you why I started it. Because as I, as I talk about a lot, it's so important to recognize who you're, what your why is. What is your purpose for doing what you're doing? Um, is it because you want to engage more people? Is it because you want to make an impact? Or is it because you want more, I don't know, influence or money or something like that. There's always a, a root reason to why you're doing what you're doing. So once we recognize that, we're able to really make a difference and our actions are able to have a massive impact. So the reason I started this big project, which I'm not going to tell you what it is, is because when this whole lockdown thing started, I was hearing from so many people that they were having such a difficult time with this new reality, with this change in the way that we were going about doing our business. And it was overwhelming to them. And I was hearing this from friends and family, from friends who are my age, friends who are younger, friends and family who are older. It was this, this narrative thread that was following me around. And I realized that that's not my reality. When I see the world going to chaos like this and I see everything changing and everyone questioning the way that we're doing things, it's an, I see it as an opportunity for us to carve out our own place. To, to just think of it as, as if there's a solid rock and now that rock has been cracked and now those rock pieces are shifting and they're going to find their own place. They're slowly going to become sand as things change and evolve and break up and et cetera, et cetera. And as those pieces are falling, you have the opportunity to find where what space you're going to take up in that, to define your, your place in this new way of doing. 
And so that's that's really been what's fueling me the last uh, the last few months as this is this big change in the world, this big lockdown and whatnot has been going on. So I've really been enjoying that. And I can't wait to share with you what this big project is and all of the work that we've been putting into it. Uh, so definitely tune back in next week because that I'm going to share the news with you. I promise big news every week and next week will be will be the big one. Uh, so, yeah. That is the big news for this week. What have I learned this week? Well, <laughs> I've been taking it back a little bit. I've been slowing down a little bit and I've been spending a lot more time in my garden. So I've just been focused on how my plants are growing and what spots get better sunlight and, and how they're reacting to different conditions. So I definitely have enjoyed the opportunity to take that time and do that slow learning, that way that we used to learn as, as kids, just watching the world evolve in front of us. So I wonder what you've been learning. So reach out on social. Let me know uh, what kind of things are you celebrating in your life? What kinds of things are you learning and what are you grateful for? Well, what am I grateful for? Uh, I definitely am grateful for the hard work that I've put into this special project in the last three months. And I can't wait to share it with you. Shameless plugs throughout this episode. I'm just going to say it. Definitely tune back in next week because I oh, big news coming up. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the, the deep, dark, nitty-gritty. It's not dark, I promise. This is an awesome episode. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite books that I read. I think I started reading it when I was like 10 years old. Um, because, funny story, um, I was a kid in the 90s, and one of the big bands here in Canada, or like the big boy groups here in Canada, was a band called the Moffats. Um, and they were kind of like... The Canadian version of Hanson, I guess. Um, yeah, they sang their own, they wrote their own songs, I think, and sang and, and played their own music and stuff like that. Um, anyways, there was an interview once with them when I was a kid, and they asked what book was most influential in their lives. And that was the first time anyone, I had ever heard that question being asked. Like, I'm a child, what kind of book is going to change your life? Well, um, yeah, they mentioned this book, which is uh, by Dave... Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a classic. It's been around for a long time. So I, I finally ended up getting a copy of it and skimming through it at the library. And there's actually some really good information in it. There's 30 main points. And I'm going to go over those different points with you t right now. I'm not going to go into too much detail about them because I will be unfolding a lot of this information in the next episodes uh, coming up on the podcast through the next couple months uh, because this stuff is so fundamentally important to having an impact um, and exactly as the title says, how to win friends and how to influence people, um, how to not be a lag in your friends. You ever have that like that person in your friend group who's just like, not showing up, not providing, they're, they're like a drain on your energy or the conversation just kind of stops when they walk into the room. Yeah, this book, you need to get them because these are the tools uh, that will help you build confidence and have that awesome impact on people. So let's get into it. So number one is don't criticize, condemn or complain. 
Very simple. You want to go into conversations and you want to go into relationships with a positive mindset. You want to look for uh, the glass half full kind of aspect. You want to look for the positives uh, and be that influential positive force that's going to push the rest of the conversation in that direction. This is important not only in conversations between people, but also when we're talking about uh, conflict resolution and, and avoiding conflict, avoiding conflict, um, or involving conflict. Um, we can do all of those things if we, we face things head on and look for opportunities um, rather than look for barriers. So number two is to give honest and sincere appreciation. Everyone's bringing their efforts to the table, and it's important to recognize those efforts. Even if those efforts are very small, um, it is important to recognize them, acknowledge them, um, and share that information so that people are feeling like they're being built up. I saw this episode of uh, Dr. Phil recently that was uh, speaking with a young man who was having a lot of difficulties uh, managing relationships in his life. Uh, he had had a very troubled past and a very um, abusive childhood. And so he had difficulty attaching to people. And it, it, became, it became apparent that his, his mother had this wonderful way of, of speaking with him where she would, um, she would acknowledge that he's, he's trying, but she would also give him the information that he needed. And the way that she approached that, con that conversation um, recognized the efforts that that young man was trying um, even if those efforts were small um, and then was able to get into the conversation that way that this, when she was having that conversation it meant that she um, by acknowledging him she wasn't uh, putting him on his defenses to begin with so that was really really an effective tool in, in terms of communicating the next one on the list, number three, is to arouse in the other person an eager want. So that goes off what we were just saying. You want to bring them onto your side and make them root for the same values as you do. Um, and that, that's looking for connections as well, which we'll talk about later. But you want to, you want to inspire them to, to want to do something. You don't want to just... You don't want to try and sell them on an idea um, by talking about the negatives all the time. You want them to, to, to want to be part of it, not to just begrudgingly follow along with you. Number four is become genuinely interested in other people. This can be really easy for some people and it can be really hard for other people. So when we talk about being genuinely interested in someone, that's not being fake about it. That's actually looking for connections and looking for similarities with other people. Looking for common ground, in other words. Find places where you do find interest in what they're doing. But make sure you're not steering that conversation in a way that only is serving yourself. Don't just throw in, don't just throw in topics of conversation that, um, that you want to talk about. Make sure that you're, you're, you're letting them talk and you're letting them lead the conversation. Next is very, very simple. It's to smile. When you smile, you send a trigger to the recipient's brain that says, I am safe and I'm okay. I'm not a threat. So it's a very, very basic thing that we can do, but it's doing something pretty fantastic um, in the other person's brain. You're setting off specific triggers that are bringing down their defenses again um, and letting them be open to what you have to say. Number six is to remember that a, pers that a person's name is to that person 
the sweetest and most important sound in any language. I work in an environment where I put people in high conflict situations. I put people into uncomfortable places um, and, and I let them work through that. And I talk a lot about the, the zones of comfort and pushing that zone so that um, you're, you're exposing yourself to new experiences and whatnot. But from, what, from my experience, I, some, I do, on a regular basis, push people a little bit too far. Um, or I, I allow them the space to push themselves too far is what I should say. And in those moments, I understand that it, it's my duty and it's my, it's my responsibility to bring them back to a place of safety. And the quickest way to do that is to use their name. So what I do is I put people up, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 feet in the air um, in a climbing situation and, and let them process through things when they're up there. And some people will reach a point in which they freeze and they don't know what to do. Simply calling their name, speaking clearly and directly to them, using their name is a way not only to break through that defensive barrier that I've talked about and to, to connect with them again so that they can start to hear you and those mental blocks are down, but it's also a way for them to feel self-comforted. They know that my team has my back, they know who I am, and they're able to come back to their sense of self. When we're in, in fight or flight mode, when we're fearful of things, we, we disconnect certain areas of our brain uh, so that other areas that are more survival related um, are flared up. So by simply calling someone's name in a panic situation, you can bring them back to a sense of calm and a sense of, of safety. That is exactly the same in a conflict situation when you're negotiating with someone. Using their first name, that sense of familiarity, is a way to, again, bring that human connection back, bring them back to a place where their defenses are down and they can listen to what you have to say again. Number seven connects back to that, and it's be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Don't be the focus of attention. Be an active listener. There are so many different techniques that I could teach you about how to be an effective listener, how to get a ton of information out of very few words. Uh, and it's all honestly about really listening to what people are saying, listening not only to the words, but to the meanings and to the values and recognizing body language and sarcasm and tone and inflection. There are so many different messages that we send when we send a message. Uh, we need to recognize uh, that it's listening that helps us really unfold what those messages truly are. Number eight is to talk in terms of the other person's interest. Again, stop trying to be the center of attention. When, you, when we go into situations, we're each going in with our own set of experiences, our own uh, set of values, our own frameworks for understanding, um, and our own positions within um, the, like, our own positions in which to perceive the conflict or the situation or the issue at hand. So 
if we recognize that each of us has those unique set of experiences and knowledge and we're walking into a conflict, we can start to recognize that there is value in each of those positions. So give people that space to speak and recognize that when you're framing your information, when you're talking to people, do it within a language that they speak. Don't, if you're talking to uh, a child, for example, about something that you're really, really good at, you're not going to use all of those technical words, all that jargon and, and whatnot. You're going to break down your message into a language that's digestible by the person in which you're talking to. When you're talking, um, when you use jargon or language or messaging or uh, frameworks of understanding that are incongruent to the person in which you're talking to, you're going to have a misunderstanding of message. And again, when we misunderstand things, those defense mechanisms in our brain, they start to build up that wall. And that means we stop listening and we stop wanting to connect with that other person and we stop wanting to engage in that conflict. Number uh, nine now is to make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. That ties back to what we've already talked about in terms of appreciating other people's inputs and value and tying back into to all of that, actually. Yeah, yeah, there's not much more I can say to that. So number 10 is the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. I am not the biggest fan of avoiding conflict or avoiding argument just for the sake of peace in the valley. Uh, I recognize that in moments of conflict are fantastic opportunities to grow and to find better paths. Uh, a lot of this lockdown stuff, as I mentioned earlier, about the crumbling of the rock and the finding your place as the sand and the rocks fall around you. It's the same thing. Uh, you there are opportunities to make greatness out of conflict if both people are willing to sit down and listen. And it's using these kinds of techniques that are able to break down those walls, break down those stigmas, um, and have everyone participate in that conflict. But it takes people who are emotionally mature enough uh, to have those conversations, to do that difficult work, and to recognize that though conflict discussions are not attacks on each other, uh, they're opportunities to grow something new, to do something better, to try something different. Number 11 is to show respect for the other person's opinions and never say, you're wrong. Say things like, I see it from a different perspective, or oh, it's curious that you see it that way. Why is it? Engage that person. Remember, you're not the center of attention. You want, to un you want to ask questions that will help you uncover those root values. Because once we can connect our set of values to our other person's set of values, that's where amazing energy comes. And I don't mean energy in a cheesy sense. I mean, that's where conversations, that productive conversations live, is in the discussions of values. Number 12 is, if you're wrong, admit it, admit it quickly and embrace it. Because if you embrace the authenticness of yourself and you recognize when you make mistakes and when you are wrong, that's going to open up the space and allow your, the person you're talking to to do the same. That means in those conflict conversations, you're opening up a space to admit, to, to stop that, that 
infighting, those those walls and those barriers that stop us from moving forward and create those those buttheadedness. Break down those those walls. Get back to open conversation where you're willing to be vulnerable. You recognize that you can be right and you can be wrong at the same time. Admitting that you are wrong or admitting that you could be wrong opens up that space so that whoever you're talking to can also admit that they are wrong. Number 13 is begin in a friendly way. Don't walk into a conversation or a room or a relationship with your arms crossed and your lips tight and that scowl in your eyes and that tapping of your toe and that judgmental tone of voice and just going straight in with the attack. That's not going to get you anywhere. There is no value in doing that. What you're doing is, again, building up your the other person's walls, their defenses. They're not going to listen to you. They're immediately going to feel under attack before they even listen to a word that comes out of your mouth. Engage in a friendly manner. Engage by showing interest in them. That way, their guard's down, I guess you could say, but their defenses are down and they're willing to listen. When you then are able to admit that you're wrong about something and that there is a conflict or there is a problem, then you're able to influence that person's decisions, bring them onto your side, connect your values, and make progress together. Number 14 is start with questions to which the other person will answer yes. This is a simple technique known as priming. Uh, You can ask very simple questions like, uh, sometimes in presentations what I do is I'll ask, uh, are you ready? Do you want to hear this? Is it okay if I give you some more? Those kind of questions are are very simple. Um, So start with introductory questions. You doing all right? You can balance the questions you ask uh, between asking open-ended questions, so questions that ans- that whose answers involve lots of words, um, or a closed-ended question, which is simply a yes or no answer. Um, you can answer in one word, for example. So balance between the two of them, but you strategically use those yes-answer questions because they're going to prime the receiver's brain um, to follow along with what you're saying. And if you lay your questions out appropriately, um, that person is a lot more likely to come over to your side. So again, it's a tool of influence. Number 15, we're halfway through, but I'm just going to rapid fire through these. Okay, not rapid fire. I like to talk. I'm going to go through these a little bit quicker, um, but I'll dive into them a lot more thoroughly in uh, another episode. So number 15 is to let the other person do a great deal of the talking, which we've already talked about. Make sure that they're doing the talking, you're doing the listening, and you're showing genuine curiosity and and, uh, enthusiasm for what they're saying. Number 16 is to let the other person feel the idea in his or her, is his or hers. That's again, a byproduct of influence. So once you get them onto your side, you connect your values and you say, you know, this is important to me. What if we do this? Um, They are a lot more likely to be on your side if they're the ones who come up with the idea or, or think that they're coming up with the idea. So that, that's another priming technique where you can lay the groundwork um, so that they are the ones who actually come to the conclusion. You give them all the information, you do all the work for them, but you let them come to that Uh, conclusion themselves. 
Uh, number 17 is try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Again, going back to our talk about perspectives, if you take a moment to, as the old saying goes, walk a mile in the other person's shoes, that is true empathy. If you're able to be an empathic listener, these tools of influence are right up your alley and they will be able to uh, connect you and open doors that you would never see um, open possibly. So make sure that you're able to see things from another person's point of view. Why is this value important to them? What is it they're fighting for? Number 18 is to be sympathetic with other person's ideas or desires. Don't just say, oh, that's a stupid idea. A great brainstorming technique is to just allow everyone at the table to dump ideas. Do not judge a single idea that comes out of someone's mouth. Just write them down. No matter how silly, off topic, or crazy out of the box they are, just let that brain dump happen. Once, all, once that time limit is up, say you have 10 minutes to brain dump, once that time limit's up, then you go through and comb through ideas and judge them. But before that, just let the ideas flow. That is, that's where you're more likely to get gold out of people. You're going to get those great ideas. You're going to let people work through their ideas so that their brain's connecting all different things. And a lot of people their connections in their brains work better when they're able to talk out ideas. Um, so allow people that space by not crapping all over their ideas. Pretty much. That's what that is. Number 19 is to appeal to the nobler motives. Again, connecting back to those values. Stop saying this is an argument about uh, who's going to fix the fence when we talk about why we need the fence fixed in the first place. That's what we're talking about here. Number 20 is to dramatize your ideas, and that does not mean to make them drama. Don't cause some big shenanigan. No, it's to allow that the other person to experience what you're talking about. If you're a great storyteller, use your words to paint that picture, to build that experience for the other person. If you're able to literally walk them through the experience, do it. Make the experience tactile and tangible for the other person. And do that in whatever way you have available to you. Don't just throw out your idea and expect that they're going to be as enthusiastic about it as you are. You have a whole set of ideas and visions in your head when you talk about that. A whole bunch of stuff that's tied into the meaning of the words that come out of your mouth. The other person doesn't necessarily have that backstory, so build it for them. Do it in a way that connects them to the experience and builds that enthusiasm. Number 21 is to throw down a challenge. People like challenge, but a challenge is not a direct competition. A challenge says, I think we can do this better. It's acknowledging people's efforts, it's acknowledging people's talents, and it's acknowledging the values that you're, you're basing everything on and saying, we can do this. Let's do this. I think we're up to the challenge. People are a lot more likely to jump on board with you if you're giving them that kind of information and bringing them onto a team. We like to be, we are social animals and that challenge is what's going to bind us together. 
Number 22 is to begin with praise and honest appreciation. Again, we're not walking into that room with our arms crossed and our scowled face, etc., etc. We're walking in with that smile. We're walking in with our heads held high. We're walking in in a way that is positive because we want to set the intention for those conversations. And we want to do that with the right energy. Number 23 is to call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Again, you're not going to say you were wrong. You're not going, but you're going to open up a space to recognize mistakes. So don't point and say you did this wrong. Recognize indirect around ways of recognizing that. It's not the person who you have an issue with. It's the act. It's the... um, effect. It's the byproduct of their action or inaction. You have to recognize very specifically what it is and find a way that isn't, uh, find a way to address it that isn't a direct attack on the person. Again, you're, you're opening that space for a challenge and you're recognizing that this person could, this person or this group of people could do better. Now let's jump in to number 24. We're almost done. So talk about your own mistakes before criticizing others. Ties back into everything we've been talking about. You want to recognize and open up that space uh, by acknowledging your own mistakes uh, before you would ever criticize someone else. And that's a great way to give that criticism as well. Um, If you start off by saying, I also dot, 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 struggle with or um, whatnot, it opens up that space and allows that other person um, to, to break down those barriers and be part of that conversation. Easy. And number 25 is to ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Again, it's in the way that we are presenting this information. Uh, if we're presenting it in a way um, that is that can be perceived as an attack, people are going to build up those barriers. They're not going to listen. But if we give them a space um, that acknowledges their strengths, asks for their feedback, they are much, much, much more likely to be on side with us. Number 26 is let the other person save face, so don't continue those attacks. If you recognize that there's a mistake and they're owning up to it, don't keep drilling at it. Move on. Allow them the space to, to save face, to, to look like they're okay, to, to, be the, to take the high road or whatever, and just move on. Don't keep nitpicking. Number 27 is to praise every improvement. Again, it's going back to the same as acknowledging people's efforts, no matter how big or small. Uh, Make sure that you are praising the actions and the input that people are having into the discussion or the the involvement, the the conversation, the project, etc. Number 28 is to give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Don't walk into the conversation by saying, uh, oh yeah, I hear you're a jerk or setting that kind of a tone you want to if you're going to lie about their reputation you want to lie up you want to build them up to be this great person that you've heard such great things about them and allow them to live up to that reputation allow them to sit up that little bit higher Um, it's not going to hurt anyone it's going to build up their their attitude it's going to build up their confidence and it's going to bring them on side with you you're no longer a threat if you're you're living up and you're praising them so they're biological biologically are more likely to be on side with you 
And number 28, uh, number 29, actually, is to use encouragement and make the faults seem easy to correct. Don't, uh, again, it's not, we're not harping on what people are doing. Uh, We're trying to look for areas where everyone can improve and everyone can be better and everyone can grow. So we want to make sure that we're encouraging those kinds of efforts. Uh, If there are faults that we're finding, just... Look for an opportunity to change it. We're not telling people they're, they're wrong. We're not harping on people. We're not wag- finger-wagging them. We're accepting the challenge, and we're looking for ways to grow and do better. So help them with that, and, but don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, accept a small change and allow that to be what it is. There'll be bigger challenges that you can, you can accomplish together later on. And finally, number 30 is to make the other person happy about doing what you suggest. It's the ultimate influence. Uh, Make sure that they are, if you're using all of these tools, it will make sure that they are on board with you. Um, It's not, you're not conning them. It's not bad what you're doing. It's just understanding how the human brain works and how we can um, use the way that we approach situations, our body language, the messages that we use, um, and how we go about doing that uh, in a way that breaks down those barriers and allows people to actually listen to what we have to say. We're not bad actors. We're not out there to be horrible people, to, to do bad things. We're there to be better. We're there to be change makers and to make a difference in the world for the better. Um, But sometimes the way that we approach those messages is what's blocking us and that's what's stopping us. So think back to these 30 different techniques and think about which ones are easiest for you to start doing now. Do them today. Do them with the next person you talk to. Incorporate them every single day. If you want to get really into it, what you could do is every day of the month, do a new one and start incorporating those into your day-to-day habits, into your regular conversations. Let that be part of who you are and how you talk and how you acknowledge the people around you. That's my challenge to you for this week, everyone. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Let's get on with the wrap-up for today's episode. It's been a little bit of a long one. This has been fun. So again, if you want to check out uh, our upcoming live streams and whatnot, you can find us on the Monday morning live show, which is at 7 a.m. Eastern, nice and bright and early. That'll be on our Twitch and our Mixer channels. Uh, We'll also have it on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, You can also connect with us on Instagram. I post lots of quotes and inspirational stuff, but I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with me and make sure that you can also sign up for the Three Pines Leadership newsletter. Well, you'll hear about all the exciting stuff. Tune in again next week. Uh, Same bat time, same bat channel. And I'll give you the big, big news of the project that I've been working on for the past three months that I am so excited to share with you. So excited. Uh, Again, we have Wednesday live trainings at 11 a.m. Eastern. Those are on our YouTube, our Twitch, our Mixer, and our Facebook channels. We're going over SMART goals and the SMART goals course this week. So that'll be Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern live. And we're also going to be doing a new evening journal on Thursday night. That video will be live at 7 p.m. Eastern on our Three Pines Leadership YouTube channel. So that's it for this episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you tune back again next week. 
Can't wait to hear from you on all of our other platforms. Join us for that stuff. Sign up for the newsletter and come back next week. Remember, I love you. Be excellent to each other. Bye for now, everyone.